Hi everyone, uh, I'm glad that all of you have decided to join us today, uh, wherever you are, uh, I just say welcome today. And hopefully um, you have found some sort of rest as this year uh, comes to a close. I hope you're settling down and um, <clears throat> kind of finding your rest. And I know that around this time of year, many of us are just getting done with scurrying around, trying to find the best gifts for those that we love, for those that we care about. And so, and we really want the best gifts. We really honestly want to give the best gifts for people. Um, we want to be proud of the gifts that we give away. We want to be proud of uh, what we what we give to people, we want to be want others to be excited for what we give them, and so like any shopper, any good shopper, especially online, you're looking at reviews, okay? And why do we look at reviews? Well, <clears throat> we look at reviews because we need some sort of certainty. There's too much uncertainty when it comes to products online. We can't really trust them too much, especially with uh, the way that marketing can be quite deceiving. And this is kind of unfortunate, but you know, customers have learned to be really skeptical of products. And so reviews seem to be a really good way to kind of alleviate this distrust. However, even reviews can be misleading. For a few years now, Amazon has been struggling with this idea of certainty and trust of the products that they're selling. And one of the areas that they really have found is kind of a, a big problem is the idea of paid reviews. Essentially, what happens is people actually will pay you to give them like really good reviews on their page, on their product page. In fact, I bought a little vacuum for like little wireless vacuum for my car. And it worked fine. It was great. It, I had no problems with it. Um, but what I found is there was like a little certificate in there. And the certificate says that if I would give a five-star review, they would give me a $30, $30 gift certificate to Amazon. And I'm like, this is absolutely crazy that they would basically pay for the thing that I just bought from them with a free review. And after kind of researching and looking, reviews are actually way more important than I thought they were. In fact, uh, so much so that the Business Insider says that 
in, stated in one of their articles that in 2019, the company Amazon um, invested $500 million to settle this problem that they had with fraudulent reviews. They had invested all that money into getting rid or solving this problem. This is a big issue. $500 million. That's absolutely insane. That's a lot of money, even for Amazon, to be dishing out to solve this type of a problem. So we, we have a big issue here with certainty, and we have an even bigger issue with trust. And so we find that the trustworthiness of human words, especially in the age of the internet, is often fallible, sometimes hard to verify, and apparently very important. I mean, has there ever been a time where you needed to know the truth? Like you really you needed it, like you needed it right then and there from a spouse maybe that you confided in or a good friend that has been with you for a, a while and has had many experiences with you or a pastor that you trust to give you, <coughs> you know, some sort of mentoring or you look up to them in some way or a family member that you literally live with for the majority of your life. Have you ever trusted one of these individuals and found out that later on they had said something untrue or that maybe they were gossiping behind your back or God forbid they betray you and kind of cut ties with you? I'm sure that some of us can relate to to that, that trustworthiness has been an issue, that trusting in people's words could be found to be like an issue. And <clears throat> it can get to even the point for, I know a fact for myself, that I don't even trust myself sometimes. And so this leaves us with the question, like, what words can we trust? Like, whose word can we have confidence in, like full confidence that we, we know that there's not going to be deviation from what they say. Like, how long are, are we going to live in uncertainty that our hopes for the future are not guaranteed or they're, they're kind of in the air? How long will that be? And so as we close out this series how long this series has been um, dedicated to our waiting for God, waiting to, for God and, and what to do in times when God seems like he's maybe even sometimes not doing what we think he should do, or he just feels far off. But today, we wait for God's word. A God whose word that never fails and that can be fully trusted in. And this will eventually, this will be our hope. This will give us hope to even when uncertainty comes and un uncertain events and outcomes. Like we know, we, we can be certain of the outcome because God has said it. 
And this is precisely what Luke, the author of our passage today, is trying to convey, is trying to convince us and persuade us. So what I'd like to do is just pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit today will persuade his people again, that we would be persuaded with his words and that we would begin again or continue to delight in his word even more in what he says. So um, let me pray. Lord God, we need your word. We need the assurance of your word today that what you say is true and that we can trust in your word, that your word is something that we can always, always trust in, always, always trust in, and that this will give us hope because we know that your word is good and it's truthful and it and it sticks through generation to generation. This is what we hope for, God. So I just pray that Holy Spirit, you would speak, you would woo us, you would bring us to believe in you even more, even more, God. So I just I just pray for this, that you would do something today in our hearts and that you would speak today. Pray this in Jesus' name. All right. So our passage today is going to be uh, found in Luke 2, 25 to 35. All right. And I'll begin uh, at 25 here. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, You have now dismissed your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to call the caused the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That is Luke, the word of the Lord this morning. And so first I want to take a look at Luke. Luke is the author of this passage, and what I believe is that Luke has a goal. He has a target. And from the very beginning, he shows this to us. Very helpful. Luke 1, 1 through 4 is the bedrock from which Luke writes. And in this little beginning here, he basically, he wishes that those 
who are reading this would have the certainty of the things that were said about Jesus, that the people that had their hopes in this good news of God, uh, that it would be sealed, that they would be certain of this thing. Um, and I mean, just from reading this, I I really like I really like Luke, um, especially out of all all of the gospel writers. Just from the beginning, he's like, I'm going to get right to it. This is what I'm doing. Uh, I'm not going to have you look around for it too much. Right in the beginning. I'm trying to give you certainty. And I just like that. It just gets down to business. I'm going to talk about certainty and the truth of what's happening here. Um, I just really like that. But, and he's definitely, he is not, he is not the type to jump on Amazon and give some outrageously biased review. He's not that type. He's not one to go on Facebook and type out or send out post some divisive meme or political post. No. Luke understands the important of the importance of this message and he wants to communicate it effectively. He wants to communicate it effectively because he he knows the importance of this. And so he almost wishes to woo his audience, convince them even of this incredible thing that happened. Jesus is important to Luke, and he wants to make that known. He wants those reading to have confidence in their hope, that if their hope is in Jesus alone, Luke wants to make sure their hope is in this. So we can assume that however Luke decides to kind of organize his book, his account of uh, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, we can be sure, at least from what he has said, um, that he's going to help us find the certainty of what has happened and hoped for in Jesus. Okay, so that's kind of where we're at. That's the that's where Luke is coming from. So keep that in mind as we keep going here. But uh, And so that brings us to our passage, Simeon. Now, Simeon is a very unique character, so unique, in fact, that he's not found in any of the other gospel accounts. That right there, if you're reading scripture, that, especially in the gospels, should be a, a signal that there's something, there's something here. Um, and so Luke has something special to show us with Simeon. Um, there's something about the account of Simeon that is aiding Luke's target of certainty. And so um, so as we as we read here, uh, Simeon uh, it says that Simeon was righteous and devout. Uh, he followed God closely, humbly and reverently. He trusted God, he trusted his word. He uh, trusted in the Old Testament and what was written about him. I'm sure that he um, he believed in God's word and what he had said to people in the past. And so this is further evidenced um, by his waiting. It said that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What what is the consolation of Israel? Like what what is that? I've never seen that anywhere else. Well, this is yet again another 
uniqueness of Simeon's account. You see, consolation really is just a state of being consoled and uh, comforted. And it's very much like uh, a mother coming to a child who is screaming and weeping, and she has really no idea what is happening to this child. And so she's hurriedly trying to console, trying to figure out and comfort the child enough where whatever is happening might might go away or she, he might feel peace. The baby might feel some sort of comfort. And so this is kind of the idea of what consolation would mean. And even more so, the consolation of Israel is God's ultimate comfort for his people. And uh, his consolation of the hopelessness of Israel's separation from God. I mean, just like a, a child that's separated from the mother and is crying, hopefully this is just a natural way to bring the mother close. Um, this awaited promise, this promise of God returning to his people and consoling and comforting them is found littered throughout the Old Testament. It's everywhere, especially in the prophets, which are these people that are entrusted with communicating God's word to his people. And this consolation meant a bunch of different things. We see this everywhere, just many different ways. The removal of God's enemies, the judgment of, of Israel's enemies, the forgiveness of sin, which typically happened, um, like sin, was typically shown through God's enemies. So the removal of enemies was almost seen as like forgiveness of sin. Um, we also see like uh, the Jerusalem, the city being rebuilt and the temple being rebuilt, God being with his people. Again, the return of God's favor and abundant resources, his righteousness, his justice, and mercy, all of this restored. This was the consolation of Israel. This is what the Jewish people were waiting for for years and years. And you will see this need all over the Old Testament, not just in the um, not just in the prophets, mainly because Israel is just all over the place. Every other chapter, you have people following God and not following God and trusting in what he said and not trusting in what he said. And they just get themselves tied up all over the place. This is not like hidden. This is wide out in the open. And so, <clears throat> and this would always lead them to the same place, this needing of consolation, this, this need for God to come in need of of hope that God would come back, that God would bring his presence again. All of these things that they were waiting for. But the consolation is not only the event of God comforting his people, but it's actually um, said in the prophets, it would actually be seen as a person. Someone would actually be the one bringing the consolation of Israel, that there would be a person, a Messiah, of Christ, someone who is anointed specifically for this um, consolation, this this event, this person specifically for that. Um, 
to redeem Israel, to fulfill the promise of this divine comfort. This is who the Messiah was, and this is what Simeon was waiting for, as we see here, is he was waiting, and specifically with the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is precisely what the Holy Spirit promised Simeon, that he would not he would not die before he saw him. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to him, promising him that he would see the Messiah, the one. This would almost be like, think of like a favorite movie that uh, when you were like at the end, there's this cliffhanger and you're like so excited for the next, the next one, the sequel. And um, out comes this like uh, letter in the mail. It comes in the mail and they say, and it says, you will not die until you are on set of the next movie, the sequel to your favorite movie. Um, like anyone. You would be you you would be so looking forward if you're a fan girl fan boy whatever you would be overjoyed and super excited about this and um, so you know the movie's gonna come out there's a sequel there's an obvious cliffhanger you're waiting for this um, but maybe after a couple of years three four five six are they gonna come out you know it you know it's gonna come out you, you there's there's i got the letter in the mail man like i'm gonna be on set of this thing this is gonna be great this is basically this is what happened with simeon he got this backstage pass to be to see the messiah for the first time he was gonna see it and so and Simeon knows this. Simeon, Simeon trusts in this because he's he's seen the um, the ones before the movies before. He's seen the uh, he's read the scriptures. He's seen the prophets. He knows it's there. He knows it's coming. Um, and so he believes in God's word. He believes that it's going to come and it's going to happen. And what I think here is Luke stresses the involvement of the Holy Spirit here for what I believe to be the center of Luke's confidence in the hope of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the bringer and the chief communicator of God's word is the one Luke uses to give his audience confidence that, that, it, um, that it confirms. It can, uh, or the, audience certain certainty it gives them certainty jeez uh so we see that simeon um we look at simeon as he's blessing jesus and thanking god the holy spirit reveals and confirms to him that this baby jesus this baby this is him and so simeon is so content with this revelation that he is willing to die right there on the spot probably he, he says sovereign lord as you have promised as you have said you may now dismiss your servant in peace go ahead you can dismiss me i'm done you've given me what i have hoped for it would kind of it's kind of like eating a chick eating a chick-fil-a sandwich for the first time there's really no other sandwich to experience uh, at that point, it's no experience worth living for. 
um, in a sandwich. Now, I mean, some of you have known that I, I kind of cheated on Chick-fil-A and I had Popeye's chicken. And actually, Popeye's chicken is not that bad. It's actually really, really good. Um, but would I be content to die after eating a Popeye's chicken sandwich? No, no, I wouldn't. Chick-fil-A, it's close. It's close. But no. Um, Simeon was content with the Holy Spirit. Spirit's word. He trusted it. He trusted it. He was so excited because the Holy Spirit revealed to him what had already been said. It had what had been said in the scriptures. The Holy Spirit had promised that it was going to happen throughout all time. This is what was going to happen, that God would save his people, that God would would comfort his people and remove um, remove everything that was not of God in that in that time. Now, Jesus hasn't done anything. He's a baby, mind you. He's like he's a child. Uh, he's not he's not even from an extraordinary family. They're like they're dirt poor. They just basically came from a barn. And they're, um, according to the law, they were sacrificing some of the lowest animals um, for their ceremonies, um, obeying the law. They were dirt poor. So would a uh, possible diaper change and some swaddling clothes give this away? No. Simeon in no way would recognize this child, the significance of this moment without the Holy Spirit, without God's word confirming to him. And so he was led to this place for God to confirm that what he said would happen, to confirm what he said would happen. And what I think Luke intends to express that God, what God says will happen, will happen. This is our confidence, that God is a man of his word, that he would, he would say something and then it would happen. Only makes sense that way. And this is our confidence, our confidence so much that if the social order of things uh, would just flip upside down, or the rising and falling of <clears throat> to Simeon, even even those in the people of God, uh, maybe even the the anguish of the unexpected, even in that, even when this person of Jesus, this salvation, this bringer of the consolation of Israel would to be placed up on the cross and died, even in that moment, God's word would never fail. It would not. And so the Holy Spirit, from start to finish, he is the mark, the guarantee that God would do what he said he would do. He was kind of the fulfiller of this and moved in such a way to bring Jesus to earth. Oh, Jesus wouldn't even be on this earth if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. He's a bringer of this fulfillment. 
And this brings us hope that God would do what he said he would do, that he would speak and that he would, he would do what he had spoken. This brings us hope because it's like, it's something that is immovable. If we know that God speaks, we can trust that without fail, no matter what happens. In fact, that's kind of what started all of this. From the very beginning, the sin of Adam and Eve wasn't necessarily taking from the fruit that got them in trouble, but rather listening to a different voice other than God. See, this other voice is saying, did God actually say what you thought he said? Did God actually say that? This is the undermining of the truth of God's word. It is the undermining of the assurance that what God intends is good. And both of these things, these are the causes of sin that our unbelief in God's true words and that they intend to be good. And so I ask today, do you find yourself convinced by another word, another voice? Are you convinced today that the marriage that you are committed to is not worth it anymore or unsatisfactory this day? Are you convinced that you are just unfit for any good relationships with people? Are you convinced that Jesus doesn't desire to be a friend to you anymore? Are you convinced that those that you disagree with are unable to be trusted in any areas of life and could possibly be evil? Today, what are you convinced of? that separates you from right relationship with people and God? What, what is it? What is it for you? What prevents you from hearing and hoping what God says? What, what prevents you from hearing those things? This is our problem. <laughs> And so what Luke intends for us to see is that the only way we can be convinced of God's word, as much as Simeon was, is through the Holy Spirit. Only through him. The Spirit of God is the only one who is trustworthy, the only one that his word can be trusted. And God is looking for humble people, those who will listen and wait for God's word. You know what? Maybe you start somewhere simple, somewhere so simple, just maybe it comes out of pure, un, 
belief, just a confession. God, I don't even know if I believe in you. I don't even know the difference between your word and the rest of the other voices that you're saying that I'm hearing, that I'm trusting in. God, I don't even know. I need to know your word, though. I need to know what you say is true. Help me. There's mercy for that, friend. And maybe, maybe it's just today. You know what? I'm going to pray a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. Not to get an accolade for, for, for praying for more than 45 minutes or more than an hour, more than a half an hour. No, I'm going to pray a little bit longer today because I believe, God, that you speak you desire to be heard. You desire to communicate with me. You want to communicate with me. And you know what? There's also this fantastic word of God right here in written form. Read it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Ponder it. Be challenged by it. Wrestle with it. It has been given to us for us to interact with God. That this has been his word from generation to generation throughout all of time. And man, <laughs> in a world where truth is so stinking elusive and so hard to find, we, we can trust Jesus. Jesus is the physical representation of God fulfilling his comfort to his people. God fulfilling what he has said that he would not fail. And so in this, he's showing us that his word can be trusted even in the most unlikely circumstances, even when there are so many things that are trying to convince us otherwise, that even, even though we are sinful and we are so hard of hearing sometimes, that God still speaks. He still speaks no matter if we're listening to him or not, he continues to speak in his creation, in his word, in people, in the past, and our hopes for the future. He is speaking always. He's always speaking. And he'll continue to woo us. He'll continue to woo us with a different song, a different way of life, a different kingdom to live under, a different king to live under. You know what's even more crazy? You know what just just puts this over the top? Is that from the very beginning, he desired for the Holy Spirit to be in you, for the truth to live in you. And it's been revealed that this plan for you, those who believe in Jesus, who he is, what he's done, what he came to do, what he's going to do, when you believe in him as the fulfillment of God's consolation to us, as his comfort, 
He planned for us to be conduits of his truth, that we would actually carry it. Those who are prone to not believe in him, he has chosen us to walk in it, to show the world his truth. This is crazy. Participants in spreading this salvation in word and deed. This is what he's has planned to do from the beginning. And, and with Jesus, he's shown that. And this is how he has planned to do it. I, I don't know how in this world, honestly. Everything that is happening is in this year and in the past all of the things that have been happening i don't even know especially the state of the church we feel so divided there's different opinions everywhere it just it's exhausting it's man i don't i don't know what to think sometimes and i'm sure we're all there like god Give us some consolation, man. We are wailing over here. We're a baby wailing for you. Come. And he will be the only comfort that is certain to happen. He's the only comfort that we can fully, fully trust in. Even, even while he is on cross even even our hope being put up on the cross like hey that's the guy that actually shouldn't be up there he should be saving us what is going on even in that moment even in moments in our life where salvation seems to be so far off where god's comfort seems to be so far off in that moment it is almost even more guaranteed that God is going to do something. He speaks and he said it and he's coming. And this is a word that will stand forever. This is a word that will stand forever. It will be the last word said. It will reverberate throughout the galaxies. It's the only one that we can fully trust in. It will be there forever. It's everlasting. And it'll be there at the end. And that's what we trust in. We trust in his word. And so, as we conclude this time, before you know, we're going to go into a time of offer or time of uh, communion, and um, this is a time where we can participate in the future consolation, this future comfort of God being with us, communing with us through His Son, and with the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're participating in today. So I, I just, uh, I hope that you would get all your, um, all your things for communion, your bread and your, um, your juice or your wine, if you have that. Um, and then we'll participate in communion together.